The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that doesn't cramp. I'm Jake Mintz, that's Jordan Schusterman, and we can throw nine scoreless and hit three homers without my hand getting a little tingly. Shohei yeah, Otani, you know, figure it out. I was going to say, like, I feel like this is maybe the one thing, like cramping is not something that I really have ever dealt with in my life, to be honest. And I know that, that part of that is because I am not, you know experiencing legitimate physical strenuous activity nearly as often as let alone Shohei Otani but probably just like the average person and I realize that but there is a sense to me that I'm just like I don't cramp and Otani cramps all right cool nice <laughs> it's because Jordan's not getting anywhere near heart rate zone three so he has no <laughs> no need to cramp ever for those of you who don't know what we're talking about Shohei Otani the two-way dynamo stopped pitching last night in the fourth inning after the fourth inning, because he started getting some hand cramps, it is his second cramp-related issue. Third, third cramp-related issue he, he over the last back-to-back days uh, after after the deadline, and then this is the third. By the way, that is going to be our first topic. We're going to talk about the Angels Mariners game. We are going to get a little bit of a bigger picture look at the wild card uh, mess, which just is so much fun at this time of year. There is something so special about. As soon as we get past the trade deadline, every game suddenly feels 10 times more important. It's and I great. love that so much. So we're going to talk about that. And then in the second half of the show, we are going to play a guessing game. Bring you in. Bring the podcast audience into a guessing game that Jake and I have been doing since, I believe, 2017. So excited to introduce that. And then, of course, we'll wrap it up with the good, the bad, and the ugly. But Jake, as you just mentioned, we have to begin with our superheroes uh, cramping. And... Uh, Jake, last so wait, night. So I just want to get yeah. this. Just, I just want to make something clear. You have never cramped. Well, I'm not saying that's true. It's just like not something that that's not a regular experience that I can. I can't like point back to like, oh, yeah, that happened to me recently. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of when I would have like cramping is different than soreness. Right. Like that cramping is something that is, yeah, you're like, yeah, duh, obviously, right? So like describe, describe what is, what is your experience with cramping? I'm sure this, is, this happens more for you as someone who, again, bikes 50 miles sometimes for fun. So when you cramp, you, your entire, the way I would describe it to you, Jordan, is like take um, any muscle and activate it and like squeeze it, flex it, right? Right. And then that is happening to you against your control. <laughs> over and over and over. Uh, yeah. Over and over and over again, basically, yeah. is a way to think about 
cramping. Mm-hmm. And so for Shoei Otani, for this to happen to his hand... <laughs> his apparently, his specifically his middle finger, which was the same finger he was having uh, some sort of blisters with, but he basically came out of the game after four shutout innings and told Phil Nevin, hey, dude, I can't, I can't pitch anymore. Um, and this is different than the f- last week when he was removed because of cramping in his legs and he removed himself as a hitter, including at a time like right before he was about to be up with the bases loaded. He's like, sorry, I can't, can't do it. Um, but this was especially notable because he gets removed after four scoreless innings and then he stays in the game as a hitter. Now we've seen, of course, that happens all the time where he gets removed as a pitcher, but just the Angels PR <laughs> Twitter account posting, Shoyotani was removed from tonight's game as a pitcher, in parentheses, with cramping in his right-handed fingers. This is such a such a great... <laughs> absurd reality that we have here for Mr. Otani. He goes on to hit a massive home run uh, later on, which we can talk about in your experience watching this game. But it is it is such a, a wild thing because clearly, okay, so you describe cramping, you understand cramping. If you're cramping in your right hand, like that's also the how he's holding the bat, right? Like that's his bottom hand of the bat, holding the bat, right? So clearly he was still able to do that. So what is your interpretation of Still being able to do that versus pitching. I'm not doubting it. It's just like interesting. Yeah. Well, pitching, I mean, you're just doing it over and over and over and over again. Like and if your, your hand cramps flexing. up while you're yeah. pitching, mm-hmm. that ball could go anywhere in the universe. <laughs> right. Whereas right. if your hand cramps up when you're hitting, you're just not going to hit the baseball. Right. And you're so holding would, the bat. It's like your your hand is staying in the same position versus obviously yeah. if you are flexing it and pitching and using different grips and everything. Correct. Now, what is interesting about this entire thing to me is that since 2021, Shohei Otani has gotten the run of the show. He has gotten to build his own program with the Angels, and the Angels have basically just like let him do whatever he wants, which is the smart thing to do because it's clear that Otani has a very good feel for his own body. Mm-hmm. Now, he is pushing his ability to its absolute limits. It's like in, um, it's like that scene in, uh, in the second uh, Top Gun movie, in Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> okay. Still haven't seen it, but go ahead. Where it's like, oh, wow, he went Mach 10. Oh, he's going to go Mach 25. Like, don't do it, Mav. It's like Otani and like the, the ship is like the, the plane is like rattling, right? Because mm-hmm. the bolts can't handle the speed. That is where Otani's at right now. He is just past what the human body can really handle. Just from a wear and tear and like muscular exhaustion perspective. And it's fascinating that that is what is kind of going first here. Right. I I don't think that any of this is a problem because what the Angels have said to Otani is, you let us know when you want to, you know, pull it back and we're fine with that. And right. so the fact that he is going to them and saying, I'm having a trouble with this, this is giving me an issue. That is notable just because like, he is recognizing his own limits here, sure. which are coming up as a result of him pushing himself to the limit, to the brink for and this franchise love, in this season. I would love to know if there is. I can't remember hearing anything about this with him earlier in his career. Maybe it's happened once, but I, I would love to know if this was ever an issue with him in Japan when he was doing even more. I mean, he was playing defense then and whatever, but... When you say it's not a problem, I, I understand, I think, what you're getting at from a sentiment standpoint of, like, he's in charge, right? right? But I also think that puts the Angels in a situation where they're just like, 
I don't know what we're supposed to do about this. Like we we have to kind of just let him decide when he's good and when he's not. And when you say it's not a problem, that's true. And I'm not blaming Otani. Of course, I, I, I could not possibly ask any more from him. At the same time, it is a problem because if Jose Soriano has to come in in the fifth inning, that is a problem. That That is, <laughs> I know that they lost for different reasons last night, but like any second that Otani's not playing is a problem. But they don't have a choice and there's there's no way to fix it. Like they're, they're at the whims of Otani anyway. And so, right. that, but that's, that's what you, that's obviously well worth it. But yeah. again, like in this situation, every second, every ounce that you're not getting from him might be costing you ultimately, um, which in some ways maybe happened last night. Also last night was a freak situation, which we can talk about. If you hitch your wagon to a magical unicorn, and sometimes that magical unicorn needs to stop for water, you are at the behest of what it needs to do. And that is the Angels right now. It's really not that much more complicated than that. Mm -hmm. If Shohei Otani shows up to the ballpark today and says, our team name is now the Los Angeles four-leaf clovers, you're like, yes, sir. Yep. And that's (laughs) the other thing. It's not like Phil Nevin's going to be like, hey, dude, like, gut it out. Like, go back out. Like, no. There's no – he gets to decide how this works, as he should, right? Correct. It's the greatest thing we've ever seen. So – Last night, he gets removed after four innings. Jose Soriano comes in and immediately allows a home run uh, to Eugenio Suarez. The Mariners are up one nothing. Brian Mook comes back out after five scoreless. And then in the bottom of the sixth, the Angels tack on a rally, which was started by an Otani intentional walk, stolen base, game-tying run on a single from C.J. Crone, and then Mike Moustakis go-ahead uh, RBI double. So it's 2-1 Angels. Jake... This was, of course, one of a later game last night, so it's probably like 11-15, 11-30 when this is happening. Describe to me your uh, experience watching this game because I obviously, as a Mariners fan, was pretty locked in. Yeah. I really haven't been as locked in to the Mariners in recent weeks just because it's like I wanted to kind of know the direction they were going. Are they going to fall out of it? Is this really worth my time? Of course, I enjoy watching my favorite team no matter what. But I, how invested as, am I going to be? But this was a game I obviously had circled. And because it was 0-0 through 5, like I was in. I was pot committed. I was going to watch this, whether it was going to break my heart or not. So I was very, very, very locked in. It seems like you were not. No. So I was at the yard all day, Yankees-Astros. And then I came home. I had dinner with a friend. And my dad is staying with me. Hung out with my dad and watched like the last five innings of Astros-Yankees because I'm covering all of the games for that series. And so I kind of want to be paying attention to that. So that ends, do some wedding planning with my fiance, and then I get in bed. And my routine when I get in bed is I put my headphones in, my AirPods in, and I put on a game on the radio, and I fall asleep to it, and then my AirPods just kind of trickle out of my ears at some point over the course of the night, and then I wake up and my AirPods are dead, and my phone, you know, like, that's just what I do, like, every night. (laughs) What a totally efficient, great way. But hey, it works for you, right? I'm not going to tell you to change anything, sure. Right. So I do that last night with the Mariners game. And I listened from like inning six after the Suarez home run and the Angels rally to inning eight. Okay. Okay. Top of the eighth, the Mariners fail to score. Correct. And then I fall asleep. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. I fall asleep after the top of the eighth. And then I wake up because the headphones are still in my ears and it's Rick Riz who's the – uh, the Mariners, one of the radio 85 guy, yeah. broadcasters they have mm-hmm. on the radio. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, my God, grand slam, <laughs> incredible. <laughs> and in my mind, I woke up this morning and I was like, wow, I, Dylan Moore hit a grand slam. And apparently that's not true. 
and I know nothing else about the game. <laughs> okay, so it was. And you told me this theme. morning. You told me this morning. Don't look it up. Well, yeah, I mean, this is becoming a theme. You know, I'm I'm tweeting up a storm last night, and uh, by the way, if you're asking me to change calling Twitter, it's never going to happen. Sorry. Um, I uh, bottom of the eighth. Okay, so again, Otani's out of the game, and but he's still in the game, and so Otani comes up in the bottom of the eighth, up to one, facing Isaiah Campbell, and Isaiah Campbell was in for another inning for a reason I wasn't totally understanding. Love Isaiah Campbell, but it was like, okay, are we really gonna you know pitch Otani here? Is that really the game plan? Okay, cool. Uh, it gets to. <laughs> 2-2 count, and it's just like he's going to challenge him and he's going to hit a home run because Otani had been intentionally walked already in this game and multiple times in the Blue Jays series. We never talked about the Matt Chapman saying to, to, to John Schneider, he's the only fucking guy that can hit uh, about Otani. Why are we pitching to him? It was a great moment. And then he was proceeded to walk like seven times during that series. He has not seen a lot to hit. But in this situation, Isaiah Campbell, late in the game, in a 2-2 count, it was just like, oh, damn it. Like, he's going to throw him a fastball, and he's going to homer. Sitting on the couch next to Bailey, I said, he's going to hit a home run. And 96 comes in, and 106 goes out over the right field fence for Otani's 40th home run of the game. His hand, he cramped that one. Uh, 390 feet. Um, Cramped the, the shit out of it. <laughs> and it was like, well, shit. Okay. So that happens. And then it's like, all right, well, insurance run for Carlos Estevez. By the way, this is after a, a gnarly Reynaldo Lopez inning, which you that was in the eighth too, which I guess that was maybe at right when you were falling asleep. I remember that. Here comes Carlos Estevez. And Jake, are you aware that Mr. Estevez was 23 for 23 in save opportunities? Yes, was. Was. And how does that outing start, Jake? Seven straight balls. He mm. throws four straight balls to Cal Raleigh. He throws three straight balls to Ty France. He almost hits Ty France multiple times, as many pitchers have done. And then he walks Ty France. Okay. Jose Caballero pinch runs for Ty France. And up comes Dominic Canzone, one of their trade acquisitions, who takes ball one again. It's like, oh my God, this is a disaster. And at this point, if you're Dom Canzone, you're like, well, if he throws it down the middle, I'm going to swing. And that is what happens. And he lines a, a single into right field. It is now bases loaded with nobody out. And Carlos Estevez's perfect record is on, you know, is, is on the line here. Up comes Teoscar Hernandez, who everyone thought was going to be traded three days ago. And he has looked horrific. Teoscar promptly strikes out. And I was like, oh, great, Teoscar strike. He's going to strike out. But I was like, oh, the good news is that Cade Marlowe is on deck. And Cade Marlowe has been incredible since he was called up a few weeks back. And since he has filled in, is now playing every day because Jared Kelnick kicked a cooler. Mm. <laughs> and up comes Cade Marlowe. And Carlos Estevez says, all right, well, I better gas this guy up. And he throws him 98 at the top of the zone, swings through it, strike one. 98 at the top of the zone, strings, swings through at strike two. And I was like, damn, he's going to throw that again because Cade Marlowe, who maybe has not seen anything quite like Carlos Estevez to this point, probably can't hit that again. Oh, oops, 100 at the top of the zone, grand slam. Uh, Cade Marlowe hits a grand, Cade Marlowe hits a grand slam. 
<laughs> Mariners take the lead. You are watching the video now for the first time. And uh, it was uh, an incredible moment. Uh, the Mariners have had some we- more, um, you know, kind of customary chaotic wins in recent days. And this one truly uh, topped the list. What is your takeaway from watching this for the first time this morning? So there's been a lot of conversation recently about how pitching strategy in modern times revolves around fastballs at the top of the zone. And that creates a very interesting metagame within baseball, where if you know that pitchers are going to throw a lot of fastballs at the top of the zone, you can just sit on that, right, and anticipate it and cheat to it and hit it out. And then it creates a situation, well, okay, if you do that, then I'm going to throw you a slider or a curveball and you're going to have no chance, right? This pitch on this 0-2 count, if you're down 0-2 in this spot against a guy throwing 100 miles an hour, you have to guess. You have to sit on the fastball and adjust to anything else and hope that you could foul it off, right? Right. So you can see after he swings and misses at the first two that Cade Marlowe is just thinking high. He takes a timeout. So he... Right before that last pitch, he takes a timeout, and then bam. And when you mention that metagame, I do find it so fascinating in a spot like this where, you know, as I'm watching as an observer, he just swung through the same pitch twice. Does that, if I'm the hitter, am I thinking, like, he doesn't think I can get to that? Correct. Because maybe I can't. (laughs) And so does that make me more likely to guess that versus, you know, a back foot slider? Right. And I I think it... It is better to guess that in that situation because you've seen it twice. And so you have at least like a visual, it's in your visual Rolodex a little bit more than whatever breaking ball Carlos Estevez is throwing. This kind of reminds me of when Miguel Cabrera was at his peak and he would like purposefully look bad on pitches so that he would get them again, (laughs) which is the sickest thing of all time. Right. But Cade Marlowe here, it's a really interesting swing when you watch it because he's just, he's trying to be so short to the baseball at the top of the zone. And it's a great example of let him supply the power. I mean, obviously, you have to have the bat speed to get to it at the top of the zone, and he he does, right? But um, it's just – it was an incredible swing, and it was was kind of – as we kind of transition into the bigger picture moment of this, first of all, obviously, I mean, win of the season, it was incredible for Seattle, two and a half back, you know, game and a half up on Anaheim. This first game, like, any time they're facing Otani, like, I can't tell – how many times you look at the Angels' schedule and you're like, all right, so they'll lose the Otani start and then you got to kind of piece it together the rest of the way. And so when you win the Otani start, it's just like now it's like anything's possible. Yeah. So uh, especially part of a, you know, the start of a, of a four-game series, a big opportunity for Seattle here. We're not going to get ahead of ourselves here. Still three games left. But it, it was an incredible moment and, and Kay Marlowe has been fantastic and he's, he's an incredible story. Dude was on the Savannah Bananas like right as the Savannah Bananas are becoming the Savannah Bananas, you're like, what? Why? What, what was he doing there? Well, he was he was a Division II player who was not expecting to get drafted, and so he was playing for the for the Bananas in, back in 2018. He's at a D2 West Georgia. He's down in that area already, and then the Mariners signed him for five grand uh, in the in the 20th round of the 2019 draft, and just immediately, I mean, he literally raked at every single level of the minors, and he was always older because he was a senior sign, and everyone was just like, oh, he's older, he's older, oh, he's older, he's older, he's older, he's older. And then at some point, it's like, well, shit, man, like this dude's got like a 900 OPS in the minors in all so many games and so many plate appearances, like let's see what he can do. And now he's been a huge part of their their kind of turnaround recently. So let's take a look at the wild card picture. As you mentioned earlier, after the deadline, it is time that this starts to feel very real. 
the wild card picture is coming into focus. And let's begin in the American League, where the three division leaders are Baltimore, Texas, and Minnesota. And then the wild card teams are Tampa Bay, who is five and a half up on Houston in the second spot, who is two games up on Toronto in the third spot. Boston is two games back of Toronto. The Yankees are two and a half back of Toronto. The Mariners are two and a half back of Toronto, and the Angels are four back of Toronto. Cleveland is kind of swimming in the middle ground. They're six and a half back of Toronto. If you want to loop them into this group, sure, but they're not good enough to get the wild card. They have to chase down the Twins. Whatever. Jordan Schusterman, we are talking about one, two, three, four, five, six teams for two spots. I'm going to take Tampa Bay right now, at least, and push them. Oh, yeah. No, I I agree with that. I feel like Tampa Bay and Baltimore at this point. I mean, I I don't know. I guess we can just have that conversation quickly. Like, because even in June, you were like, I still don't know who's going to win this division. It could still be, you know, Toronto, whatever. Now it feels like we're we're pretty settled on Tampa or Baltimore. Correct. Could still be Tampa, but yeah. Absolutely. But I I think like AL East team two is ahead. So if I see it, it's Houston, Toronto, Boston, the Yankees, Seattle, and the Angels for two spots. The Astros, I think, are figuring shit out. I know they lost game one of the series last night to the Yankees, but I just it just feels like the Astros are coming back into form. Seeing Verlander around the clubhouse yesterday was like terrifying. It was like, oh shit. It's also, here we go again. It is so surreal. I cannot remember. Obviously, everything about that situation is completely unique. But it is, it's staggering. Like that's a situation where, like, are we even gonna remember he was ever on the Mets in 20 years? Like, if they just go and win the World Series again this year. All just so, so, so bizarre. Uh, but I agree with you. I really, I, I love Dusty Baker. I'm not one to freak out about lineup construction, but <laughs> there are some things with their current lineup that I do not understand whatsoever, such as Jordan fifth and best hitter in the world, Chaz McCormick seventh. But that's also part of their strength. I can't get too bent out of shape about that. I agree with you. I think Houston's in good shape, but you know, there's, there's still a version where we can't totally pencil them in. So I agree with that. And and maybe, but maybe it's a version where Texas falls back and they're in this conversation. So I think that's part of that too. At the same time, I think some people would say, no, like AL West 2 should also be a lock. And I think that that's a reasonable argument too. Correct. So then it, at least right now, we have Toronto, Boston, the Yankees, the Mariners, and the Angels. Who besides the Mariners are you hoping, let's say the Mariners lose 12 in a row. I'm sorry. And they fall out of it. Of Toronto, Boston, New York, and the Angels, who do you want to get that last spot? Ooh. Who do I want to get it? I, I, I think I am on on board. Like, obviously, when I have my Mariners hat on, I'm, I'm going to be happy to see them fail. But, like, I, I would rather see the Angels than those other teams. If we're accepting that Houston's in it or Texas is in it and Tampa's in it, whatever, like, I'd, of course, rather see the Angels than Boston or New York. And I like Toronto. Like, that's another thing where I'm, I differ from Mariners fans. Like, I enjoy watching Toronto. I know that they're the natural rival, whatever. I like watching them. But also, we, we have seen them kind of come up short in a different way. And so, I think it would still be the Angels. It's just with Boston and New York, after, like, those two teams, we, when you look at the deadline... Boston was also inactive, you know, and I know that they don't have the same kind of pressure in the same way, but, and they've been playing better, so it doesn't feel as urgent. And I think that's also fair with Story coming back, Sales also coming back. Like, there's reasons for them more to stay put than the Yankees, I think. 
But that's also an interesting dynamic in terms of how the fans are feeling there. I imagine there's at least some level of like, couldn't do a little bit more than what Boston did, but obviously I'm not going to root as a neutral fan to see either of those teams in the postseason again, but it is interesting which of those is in a better position too. I really can't handle having the Yankees, this Yankees team and this Red Sox team being in the mix together is really just too sloggish for my brain. Like they're just neither of them. The Red Sox recently have been more exciting to watch. Yeah, I got to say than they were, but they're a weird team, but they're certainly weird. But like they have enough new young pieces that I really do enjoy watching like Brian Bayo. Obviously, like Casas. I mean, you know, Devers is one of my favorite players, but like there's enough interesting going on there that it feels a little bit more fresh. Whereas, again, like you mentioned about the Yankees, it's just not like this is not a fun watch at all. Whenever the Yankees win, it's either Aaron Judge, get on my back, we're going to win today, or it's the old guys being like, ah, still got it. Yeah. Like last but night I, I was will Stanton, ah, still the, got it. The one version, especially for the last night, is like Volpe, right? Like if Volpe can really figure it out and start having moments like this, like that would be cool. I, I would enjoy that to some degree. But the, here's the issue. Look, is that the Angels are not looking so hot since they went all in to some degree. They're on an L3. Unfortunately, our friend Lucas Giolito just gave up 900 runs in Atlanta, but that was in Atlanta. A lot of people have given up 900 runs in Atlanta, okay? Our other friend, Mickey Moniak, is potentially (laughs) crash landing down to earth. Which we all could have seen coming. That's okay. Um, But the Angels, like, it's it's slipping here, but they have no choice. Obviously, they're going to be going for it no matter what. But you can see, you can see it kind of starting to slip away. Four games out is fine, and they can still they can get right back in it with if they bounce back against Seattle this weekend. Totally capable of that for sure. But that, like, hey, we could we could be talking in a week, and they're already farther out of it than we feel. And everyone's going to be like, "See, they should have traded Otani." But it's like, no, this was always a possibility, no matter what. This was always perhaps a likelihood. Okay, Correct. that doesn't mean it. That does not negate the grand speech you gave about the duty to go for it with Otani. I totally still agree with you on that. But if you thought that it was definitely going to work, well, sorry, you're still watching the Angels. Even if we never made it to the moon, JFK's moon speech still slaps, baby. (laughs) Yesterday, uh, Andy McCullough of The Athletic explained it really well to me about the Angels. He was like, what they did at the deadline was stupid and the right thing to do. Yep. Well said. Uh, Let's move to the NL quickly uh, before we take a break, because this one, okay, so we just described six teams for two spots, maybe five teams for one spot if you want to, you know, give the second AL East and AL West. How many teams are we talking about for the National League? So this is seven teams for three spots. So we have Atlanta is 83 games up, I believe, in their division. You could just take Atlanta, pick them up, put them to the side. They're a juggernaut. They don't need to even think or worry about the wild card. Yeah. It's not in their frame. I will say Atlanta is in in such a... We have arrived and everybody has acknowledged them as the best team. That was not the case even in in April and May. Yeah. It wasn't. But we're all there now. So the only storyline with Atlanta is is staying healthy. And once we get to October, it's like, oh, shit, like you got to (laughs) win. I know it's never, of course, it's a crapshoot, but they should be feeling better than everybody else all the way until the first game of the postseason. Right. And then it's honestly like it's not just seven teams for three spots. It's like nine teams for five spots because I'll, I'll just read it out. 
The Dodgers right now are leading the American League West. However, they are just two and a half games up on the Giants. So they are still somewhat in the wild card mix, or at least in the wild card picture. And then the Brewers are a half game up on the Reds in the Central and two and a half games up on the Cubs. And so the Brewers, the team that's going to win the NL Central, is also in the wild card mix. Okay. But the current wild card standings the Giants are two and a half up. The Phillies are, sorry, the Giants are two and a half up on the Phillies. The Phillies are one up on the Reds. The Reds are a half game up on the Marlins. Okay. The Reds are one and a half up on the Diamondbacks, and the Cubs are two back of the Reds, and the Padres are four back of the Reds. So it is a very jumbled mess. This picture will probably get much clearer by September 1st. However, we want as many characters in this story as we possibly can. We want it to be messy. We want it to be very unclear. I want as many teams as possible still involved on September 1st so that we can get as many fan bases as possible interested in the wild card race down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the teams, and again, when you reflect on the deadline activity, the Cubs and the D-backs and the Marlins and the Padres to some degree adding, right? The Reds are the team that did not add. Now, are they still good enough to win the division? Honestly, probably yes. <laughs> but it obviously has not looked great this week. But Let's ask the same question you just asked about the AL because I think it's way more interesting here because you have way more options. Uh, just as a neutral fan perspective, let's let's just say Milwaukee wins. Okay, so let's just keep it that way. I mean, I'm obviously rooting for the Reds and I want to see them just obviously selfishly. But like, what is the ideal three NL wildcard teams for you from an entertainment standpoint? Because there's a lot of right answers here. There's not a lot of wrong answers for these combinations of teams. Don't worry about the matchup specifically yet. Just just, yeah. just the three teams. I would love for the Dodgers to not make the playoffs as comeuppance <laughs> for building their 2023 season around getting Otani this winter. Mm-hmm. You're punting for free agency? And you're not going to spend any money and sign to make your team better? You know what? Fine. I get it. Otani's once in a lifetime. But you don't get to be in the playoffs this year. Sorry, buddy. So I know that's unrealistic. But that's that would be Some fun. Some Dodgers humbling would be nice. I, I do yes. agree. But let, they're going to win the division. I feel pretty confident about that. I would probably say Philly, Cincy, and the Cubs. I know that's yeah. a mm-hmm. weird one because we've been on the toot-toot Miami train. Yeah. But... I'm the world's biggest Phillies fan. Everyone knows. Sure, sure, sure. Cincy, so that you have playoff baseball within (laughs) driving distance. And then the Cubs, man, like just out of nowhere from the top step. Playoff baseball, Wrigley Field Mm -hmm. is the best. I should also mention that, you know, the Giants also did did nothing respect to Mark Mathias and AJ Pollock. Like that, in their position to do nothing is maybe even more shocking. But I, I just don't, I don't even... Right, the Giants perpetually, we've kind of referred to them in the same way we talk about the Red Sox. Um, and I think that that is a fair comparison. Yeah. I would say these are all fun options. Yeah. The narratives with each of these teams in the wildcard mix are actually very fun. Oh, yeah. I'm satisfied right? for all of these teams to be, to make it because Correct. there was versions of all of these seasons where you'd be like, what? Like, what in the world? Right. Um, so, like, the so Padres, I, if the Padres make the postseason now... That is awesome. If the oh, yeah. Cubs make the postseason out of freaking nowhere, that is awesome. 
If yeah. the young, fun, running, gunning Diamondbacks with Corbin Carroll make it, that's cool. If the Marlins do it <laughs> against all odds with their one-run record, yeah, that's amazing. Think, the yes. Reds' young bunch is great. Yeah. The Phillies going to try and avenge their World Series losses. Like The Giants maybe is a little bit less interesting because they're more of an anonymous team, but I actually think the anonymity is compelling in itself. Sure. And so these are all fun to, for me to think about. Like... When I envision a playoff matchup, I'm intrigued by all of these. Agreed. Here's where I'm at on the Giants. I want them to either win the division or miss the playoffs. If they're in the wild card, I'm, that is not interesting to me because I, it wouldn't have shocked me if you told me they made the wild card because it's like, okay, yeah, this team is built to not be bad and there's a version where they're good. And okay, if they are in the second, like that's none of that is surprising. Whereas the rest of them are all fascinating. I think my pick is Reds. Marlins, Padres, <laughs> but the Cubs, I agree with you. I am enjoying the, the Cubs uh, renaissance in that sense. Uh, Jake Mintz, we are going to take a break. And when we return, we are going to talk about our favorite award, an award. What award is being given out at the beginning of August? You're about to find out. We'll be right back. This is former PGA Tour winner Smiley Kaufman, host of The Smiley Show, a SiriusXM podcast. You want to know what I love about golf? I get to talk to some really cool people. I get to walk the fairways of the best courses in the world with the best players in the world. And I get to share it with you every single week. Listen to The Smiley Show right now on Stitcher, Pandora, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Smiley, S-M-Y-L-I-E. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. It is time for one of me and Jordan's, Jordan and I, favorite games of the year. We have been playing this off the record behind closed doors for some time now. And we thought it was the moment to bring this bit to the light. Jordan, what is the Heart and Hustle Award? Well, we are going to bring Chris in to give us the official uh, explanation. Producer Chris is going to serve as the host of this game. But the Heart and Hustle Award is an award given out to one player on each team during the season for a reason that Chris is going to uh, <laughs> explain in a second. It is one of our favorite awards because the name of it is great because it already gives you just the, the kind of, it is not about stats or is it about stats? It is not about heart and hustle or is it about heart and hustle and each team has a player that you know and kind of embodies this and the fact that they give it out in the middle of the season right. is also bizarre and strange and so since 2017 jake and i uh usually me uh will go through the list and guess who the winner is for each team now i have seen a couple of them but not most of them and so we are going to guess together and have this revealed to us so producer chris you have the explanation for the Hard and Hustle Award, so please describe it to us, and then we are going to rapid fire through the teams and see how many of them we can get right. Firstly, thank you for having me on again. This is the second time oh, this week. I am becoming fire. a regular rotation player on this podcast. It's been <laughs> Don't nice. get too comfortable. Okay? Oh, I'm not. Trust me. All right, so uh, the Heart and Hustle Award was created by uh, the Major League Baseball Players Alumni Association in 2005. It's voted on by alumni and active major league players and is presented annually to an active player who demonstrates a passion for the game of baseball and best embodies the values, spirit, and traditions of the game. Okay. It is the Vegas <laughs> award 
ever. But here's what's important there is, is the, the key detail. Voted on by, I think, current and former players, okay? So this is who the players are looking at and appreciating and respecting the most. This is not us, us, us scribes, as they say. They're saying, screw the BBWA. We want to award these, these players for being baseball players. These are baseball players, baseball players, okay? So that yeah. is the good way to think about it. And again, there's it's very strange, the, the history of this award. Usually, sometimes the same guy wins every year. But let's just get going, Chris. Let's just go team by team. You are going to say the team. Jake and I are both going to offer our guesses. And uh, and then you will tell us who we are. And I'm going to keep track of how many uh, we get correct. So All right. Let's rapid fire. Baltimore Orioles. I'll go first. Adley Rushman. Jordan? Gunnar Henderson. Nope. Anthony Santander. <laughs> okay, off. All right, what's next? <laughs> Boston Red Sox. Ooh. I'm going to go with... Jaron Duran. I'm going to go with, wow, this is, uh, I'll go with Connor Wong. <laughs> Justin Turner. Just, oh, damn it. Okay. Barely yeah, Okay, keep going. Chicago White Sox. Oh, no, no nobody. <laughs> nobody. I'm just going to go with Robert because when teams are so bad, they just pick the best player. I'm going to go with Andrew Benintendi. Hey, Jake. Nice. <laughs> Benintendi. Oh, man. Okay. That's, that is, he's so gritty for having the, all the like, slugging 300. All right. What's next? Guardians. Uh, I will go oh. with Stephen Kwan. Jose Ramirez still. Hey, Jordan. Well done. Okay. One all. Yeah, don't overthink that. Kwan last year probably won, but okay. I'm going Ramirez. All right. I, I'm on the board. What's next? Detroit. Ooh, I'm going to go with <laughs> Zach McKinstry. <laughs> I will go with. Um, Ooh, maybe they just gave it to Miguel Cabrera. Maybe they gave it to Bias. No, I'm gonna go with. <laughs> maybe they gave it to. Okay, yeah. What's your real guess? Wow, this is a very difficult one. I'll go with Carrie Carpenter, friend of the show, Matt Veeling. Oh, oh damn, yeah. that is a good one. Okay, all right. What's next? Astros. Astros. Chas McCormick. Yeah, uh, I'll go Tucker. Tucker, it is. Okay. Damn. All right. It should be McCormick. You're right. Royals. I know this one. So go ahead. I'm, I'm abstaining. You know this one? Uh, I think it's just going to be Bobby Witt Jr. You'd be right. Yes. Yeah. Bobby Witt Jr. The LA Angels. Here's a good, a good one, Jordan. If a guy's father played in the big leagues... Oh, man. <laughs> alumni know the player, and so oh, yeah. he wins. Yeah. <laughs> His dad might be voting. I mean, who Correct. knows? Um, this is hilarious because I believe David Fletcher has won this multiple times. He's currently in AAA. And like, it's so funny because it's like embodies the spirit of baseball. Well, who's doing more baseball than everybody else? Show Otani. Jake, it should be Otani. I am not going to guess Otani. Okay. So you can't guess Otani either. So who's your Why? guess? Why? Oh, okay. You are guessing Otani. I'm going to guess Otani. Yeah. All right. Jordan? Uh, but, okay. If you're guessing Otani, I'm guessing Otani. That's not Otani. <laughs> Okay, so wait, then let us get each one. Okay, yes. then uh, it's, it's very often very hard for pitchers to win. Um, but I'm going to go, actually, I'm going to go with Carlos Estevez. I'm going to go with Zach Neto. Well done, Jake. Zach Neto. Oh, damn. Nice. Yeah. yeah, that's a great. That's, that's Again, I just want to say, can you just read the definition again? Please, just for a second, because the idea that Shohei Otani is not eligible or like proper for this award is so funny. 
It's presented to an active player who demonstrates a passion for the game of baseball and best embodies the values, <laughs> spirit, and traditions of the game. Traditions. He's doing both. No, no, no. But I would say that's not the traditions. I would exactly. say he's fucking the traditions. That's so what I'm he's, saying. He's actually, yeah, he's disrespectful. Yeah. So never mind. I was the oh. right answer. That was the terrible guess for me. All right, what's next? Twins. Twins. Okay. I am going to go with, I'm just, I'm still going to go Correa here. I will go with. Even though he's been bad. Whew, I will go with Christian Vasquez. You're both wrong. It's Pablo Lopez. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Okay. Anything yeah, that's a good pitcher to win it. Yeah. Yeah. Yankees. Ooh, Yankees. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Jose Trevino. <laughs> no. So the Yankees right here. <laughs> so judge I, I just Donnie can't. I think it I, I think if Anthony Volpe doesn't win this, then like what's the point of the award? So I'll take Volpe. It's Isaiah Kana Falefa. Oh, amazing. Okay, amazing. Amazing, oh. amazing pick because it's like he endured all the hate to emerge oh, yeah. on the other side. Someone tell Stephen A. Smith that Isaiah Kana Falefa. Hey, quickly on the Stephen A. Smith thing. You just have to remember that Stephen A, his baseball analysis is always on a year lag. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> the A's. Oh, boy. Tony Kemp. Yeah, got to be Tony Kemp. Carlos Perez. <laughs> Carlos Perez, who is not, is he on the IL? Yeah, he's, he's the catcher. The he's the catcher. Wow, that is, that's an all-timer. All right. Wow, that's a, t- that's a tough look for Shea Langoliers. Yeah. By the way, like a yeah. really tough look. Who's leading the league in in uh, caught stealing? I know he hasn't been hitting, but like Shea Langulars is catching all the time. So maybe Carlos Perez is just like the man, which is cool. Good for him. The Mariners, Jordan. Oh, I know this one. This is and, a layup, though. It's yeah. JP Crawford. Yeah, it is JP Crawford. That was yeah. my guess. Yes, good. Uh, the Rays. The Rays. Okay, I'm gonna go Yandy. Yandy. Yandy's a good pick. Um, I don't think alumni like Randy. <laughs> That's why I picked Yandy. I think they, and they, they definitely don't like Wander. So who you got? I think I'm gonna go Ice Isak Paredes. Isak Paredes. Good guess. Who is it, Chris? Jake, you're underestimating the alumni. It's Randy and Rosarina. <laughs> okay. So really? you won them over. Yeah. All right. Wow. I like that. Yeah. The crusty old people That's less were surprising. like <laughs> if it was Wander, I would be floored. Randy, I think people like him by now. The Rangers. Semyon. Locked. Yes, Semyon. It is Semyon. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And Toronto Blue Jays. Whit Merrifield. Oh, Whit is a great pick. I'm going to go Bichette here. You're both wrong. It's Dalton Varsho. Dalton oh, Varsho is a see, good one. That's, again, Dad played in the big leagues. Dad played in the big leagues. That's an interesting one because Dalton Varsho, I love the guy, has been very, very bad. Amazing defender. Not hitting at all, but it sounds like he's still embodying the spirit and tradition of baseball so that's great i don't know if he is i mean he was a catcher and he was like this is not for me is that the spirit (laughs) well if he's going to become one of the best defensive outfielders in the game i can't really blame him all All right right. national league yes so that was the american league moving on to the national league we get a score check i'll score check check at the end okay um diamondbacks is corby carroll corby carroll yeah it is colvin carroll the atlanta braves um i'm gonna go with Austin Riley. I'm going to go with Matt Olson because he plays every day. Yeah, it's probably Olson. Who is it? 
It's Austin Riley. Okay, that's wow. a big, well done, that's a huge dub for me. Okay, yeah. I I immediately was like, should have guessed Matt Olson, but okay, because Olson I believe has the current Cal Ripken record for consecutive yeah. games played. Oh, like the whole Braves team. So does Austin. I think Austin Riley's barely missed a game either. So yeah, the Cubs. This is the one I know. I this was spoiled for me. Okay, I don't know this one. I'm guessing Dansby. It's Nico Horner. Oh, okay, yeah, both of those could have been. Damn. All right, that's all right. That's fine. Reds. I know this one. You do. Okay, so the correct answer, to be real, is TJ Friedel. Uh-huh. But I'm skeptical that they gave it to I'm going to go TJ Friedel. I'll go TJ Friedel. Spot on, Jake. Nicely yeah. done. Nice Nicely one. done. Red's a lot, a lot of good picks for them. Very good job. Yeah, Friedel's, Friedel's fantastic. Colorado Rockies. The whole team, baby. <sighs> I mean, if Carlos Perez can win it, I guess Elias Diaz can too. I'm going to... Stick with McMahon here. I will also take McMahon. It's Elias Diaz. (laughs) I disrespected our all-star MVP. All right. Well, okay. I don't get points for that. I just want people to quickly, people listening, you understand how vague and scattershot (laughs) and random these awards, like it's impossible to guess. It doesn't mean anything. It's great. It's great. I'm learning. I'm also, it's great too, because like I do learn about players' perceptions of players. Correct. By these awards. So, all right, what's next? Dodgers. Mm. Like this could still be Miguel Rojas. That's the thing. It could also be, this is a lot of options here. Mookie, Hayward, Peralta. Yeah. No, oh, Hayward. Oh, Hayward versus Freddie. I'm going to, I'm going to go with Hayward. I'm going to go with Mookie. Freddie Freeman. Oh, damn it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not surprising, but I felt like Hayward would have. Okay. Yeah. Oh. What's next? The Miami Marlins. Uh, Luisa Rice. Old, yeah, old players love time. They love batting average. Yeah. It is Luisa Rice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's easy. Yep. The Brewers. Brewers. If Sal Freilich had been up from the beginning of the year, <laughs> if he was Sal Freilich would have been a layup. Give it to him. Um, man, I don't like any. You know what? I'm gonna go with William Contreras. It's my guess here. Sorry, I Yelich. think I think Yelich will get it. Hmm. It is Greensboro Grasshopper's legend Christian Yelich. Correct. Damn. Okay. All right. That's a big, big dub for Jake. That's fine. Okay. Ball players great. love seeing a guy bounce back. He's playing great. That's true. That's true. New York Mets. Uh, I guess. I mean, Steve Cohen. I'm going to go Nimmo here. I'll go with McNeil. Jordan, you got it. It's Brandon Nimmo. Yes. McNeil sucked. Uh, he's, I mean, yes, he's he that doesn't matter to it. I, doesn't matter. Sometimes it does. <laughs> sometimes it does. I feel cool. like if we're comparing him and Nimmo, are similar. So I, I think it helped that Nimmo's actually playing well. Quick Mets thing. Uh, DJ Stewart hit second last night or yesterday. And <laughs> Jonathan Arauz. That's the Orioles feeling great. Two Orioles legends there. Arauz and DJ Stewart. Next up, the Phillies. Hmm. Can it be Reese Hoskins for his uh, his support from the bench? So I'm going to – wow. I think Kyle team. Schwarber is like too old and older players don't like how much he strikes out. That I agree with. That's why I'm going to guess Castellanos. Castellanos. Who also strikes out a lot, but like is more of like I, – I, I'm, I'm going Castellanos. I'm going to go with Bryson Stott. Oh, man, that's such a good guess. Who is it? Garrett Stubbs. 
<laughs> Garrett Stubbs. <laughs> okay, what a run for catchers here. We got Diaz, Carlos Dude, Rose, and Garrett Stubbs. So that's, Garrett that is Stubbs, outstanding. The backup catcher. Thrilled to be it. wrong on those. Oh, that's awesome. We got to get Garrett on the show to accept his award. <laughs> okay. All right, just a few more. Who we got left? Pittsburgh Pirates. I saw this one. Um, You saw this one. I think it is going to be Brian Reynolds. It is David Bednar. I, is David? that the only pitcher so far? Or one of no, the only Pablo pitchers? Lopez. Oh, Pablo Lopez. Okay, so yeah, very difficult to win as a, as a pitcher. So, But that's a, that's a good one. I like that pick. Padres? I know this one too. I'm going to go, ha- go with Hassan Kim. Spot on. Yeah. Nice one, Jake. Nice. One. Yeah. Uh, the Giants. Ooh, this could be. This Gabe could be Kapler. Give it to Gabe Kapler. I'm going Lamont Wade. Late night Lamont. Yeah. Is that right? You have to have a guess first. Oh, okay. I thought you were confirming his guess. <laughs> he's he's a Giants fan. He just loves late night Lamont. Late night Lamont. I will go with Wilmer Flores. Oh, great oh, guess. Oh, that is a good one. But it is late night Lamont. Yes. Okay, okay nice. Uh, the Cardinals. Nobody. Oh, Cardinals is interesting because they have all kinds of options, but their season's gone so poorly. Because Tommy think too hard. is so perfect. I'm, said, I'm gonna, but I'll, I'll go Goldschmidt. If, if Freeman yeah. won, I'm gonna go Goldschmidt. Is my guess. I'm gonna say it should be Brendan Donovan. To be clear, yeah. but I will also guess Goldschmidt. It's Brendan Donovan. You should have stuck. With Damn, him. Yeah. <laughs> he just had, he like just had season-ending surgery too. Damn it. Okay, uh, last I think one. Donovan won it last year. But. This is the last one. The Washington Nationals. Ooh. Hmm. Wow. I'm gonna go Lane Thomas. Yeah, I think it. If I was a former player, I would vote for Pat Corbin because <laughs> I think that's funny. Uh, but I will also go with Lane Thomas. Yeah, Lane Thomas, it is. All okay. right, okay. So our final tally. I know I knew more of them, so fewer opportunities to get them right. I got nine correct, and Jake got. 11. Nicely done, sir. Um, Very, just incredible work. Although I will point out that seven of those were ones that I happened to, or no, never mind. I I, I take that back. Uh, You win. You are, you have more heart and more hustle than me. Congratulations. Thank you. It is time to do the good, the bad, the ugly. We're going to rapid fire this since we got to get out of here. Let us uh, begin. Something good, something bad, something ugly from the past week. Start us off. Ryan Mountcastle against the Blue Jays. Do you know about this? I Yes, I saw some great memes about uh, Mountcastle arriving to Canada with um, <laughs> it's funny, plenty of cheers, although I imagine it would be the opposite because they don't never want to see him again. His career numbers against the Blue Jays compared to his career numbers against everyone else are hilarious. He is a 772 career OPS hitter. However, against the Toronto Blue Jays, he is... A career. Oh, sorry. I have his. I have the wrong splits up in front of me. That's well. So I was going to say, is it just the Blue Jays, or is it in Toronto specifically, or both? I it's a both. little bit of both, but it's mostly in Toronto. Like his. Let me pull up the Rogers Center numbers. So his numbers in the Rogers Center are actually worse than his numbers against the Blue Jays as a whole. Okay. So against the Blue Jays as a whole, he is sixty for one eighty-two. That is a batting line of three thirty. 394, 643 for a 1037 OPS. 
He has 15 home runs against wow. the Blue Jays. That is that is really something. That is uh yeah, there's there's some sneaky ones like that. Um for interdivision player, you know, yeah. team matchups that and I, just guys own people. I bring this up because the Orioles just took 3 out of 4 from the Blue Jays in Canada mm-hmm. and he was just a dominant again. He was yeah. like 4 for 5 yesterday afternoon against them. Uh my good is the Kansas City Royals on a W6. Woo! They spent the whole season flirting with being the worst team in baseball with Oakland, but the W6 combined with the L4 from Oakland has given them five games difference between the two, and Bobby Wood Jr. looks like one of the best players on earth. And I'm just so happy for Royals fans that they get to have anything. It was an undefeated homestand. Great to see. They have a star in Bobby Wood Jr. So much still more needs to be fixed. But this week in August and July, they can finally say, hey, our team is kicking ass and we'd love to see it. I would that's love the to Hart see and them. Hustle Award winner Bobby Witt Jr. to you, by the oh, way. Oh, that's mm-hmm. true. The Hart and mm-hmm. Hustle. That's he was he was fueled by it. He knew he knew that he was about to receive the most important award in baseball. Here's a here's a fun uh, down the stretch thing to watch. Can the Royals catch the White Sox? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean there's still seven back. Uh, sorry, eight back, but that'd be a funny thing uh, to watch. Anyway, what's your bad? My bad is the Cleveland Guardians offense, Jordan. This is a stat courtesy of Zach Mysell. Uh, the reporter for The Athletic who covers the Guardians. The Guardians have been no-hit five times since the start of the 2021 season. That both does not fully capture their ineptitude, but also perfectly captures their ineptitude because the Guardians' issue is not that they don't get hits. It's that they don't get home runs, right? They put the ball in play a lot, and they, they have a high batting average. They just can't hit it over the fence. But the idea that just five nights since the beginning of 2021, that's like two and a half seasons. They have been no hit five times. That is so bad. I think about them, again, how we thought about them and Tampa Bay with that eternal game last year that Oscar Gonzalez won, how we thought that both of those offenses were an an embarrassment. And then Tampa Bay comes out the season and has the best offense we've ever seen with a lot of the same players. And Cleveland now still has 82 home runs in 109 games, which is obviously by far 30th. That is indeed bad. Jake, my bad is a layup, and it pains me to say, but it's Trey Turner. I don't really know how long uh, we are going to have to wait for Trey Turner to... And and he seems to be having... It's the errors, which is really... Because errors is really what gets the casual fans to turn on you. Because they might not notice what you're full offensive you know, line is. And if you get enough hits and steal enough bases, it's whatever. But if you are, if you are making a lot of money and you make an error, I mean, it's as bad as it gets. And while that is not necessarily a reflection of Trey Turner's true talent as a defender or his 662 OPS as a hitter, um, it is, it is stunning. It is a stunning thing. He's not the only high paid shortstop that is not having a good season. But he is one that is currently getting the most flack. And uh, I guess I'm adding to that. Sorry, Trey Turner. Jordan, my ugly is a dream. Do you have baseball dreams, Jordan? Occasionally, but not not as often as you would assume. So I was in the clubhouse yesterday in my dream. Mm. I was in the A's clubhouse. And there was Adam Adovino. Mm. And Hard Hustle Award winner, Carlos Perez. 
But why was Adam Adovino in the A's clubhouse? I don't know, but it was in my dream. And I was like talking to him about something, which is weird also because I don't really know him personally. Um, so I'm talking to Adam Adovino and, you know, we're just kicking it. And he's telling me, he just goes, yeah, so before the deadline, every player in baseball needs to pick a new number for every team in the league just in case they get traded there. So like they pre-select a new number. For every so he team. was for every team. That's a he lot was, of work. It's a lot of work. For every so player. Was, for every player. And he was like, yeah, it's just totally standard. And I was like, that doesn't sound right. And he was like, no, like I'm a player. You have to trust me. And he like pulled out a list and it was like his number choices for every team just in case he got traded there. And I was like, well, okay, if it's true, Adam Adovino said it. And I woke up and I was like, I remembered it once I woke up. I was like, that can't be right. Oh, it was a dream. So anyway, that's my ugla. <laughs> that is so ugla. My ugla is a link I just sent you. It is a video of Rowdy Reed. Remember Rowdy Reed? I do remember Rowdy Reed. Didn't he get right. popped for uh, uh, peds? He did have a PD suspension at some point, yes. Rowdy Reed is currently playing for the Spire City Ghost Hounds. Too much. Formerly the Frederick Keys in Frederick, Maryland. In the Atlantic League. And Rowdy Reed was playing first base, and he caught a double play ball. And what did he do after he caught the double play ball? <laughs> Jake is watching this video for the first time. Describe what you see for me. So he he catches the ball on a double play, calmly tosses his glove onto the ground outside the first base dugout. It's a little bizarre. And the camera pans back to the wide shot, and then you see all of his teammates running over to the stands where Rowdy Reed has gone forward full our test hmm. and has confronted a fan hmm. on the concourse which we know well we've been to this park multiple times we know that is uh <laughs> those steps that go up to the clubhouse i believe um yeah he just kind of went for it wait uh, where is this this is in frederick maryland wow yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've seen it. Now, oh, again, yes. the real reason I, I just wanted to share this is that the funniest part about this video, which was, I guess, being broadcast by Flow Sports, is that they're like, oh, we're going to take a break. And then while there's video of him being restrained on the concourse by, like, police, they're running an <laughs> ad for, like, a Frederick Hotel. <laughs> and it's just one of the funniest <laughs> um, combinations of audio and video, video that I've ever seen. So... Um, I mean, listen, I mean, I'm sure someone said something heinous to Roddy Reed that was totally uncalled for and I, you know, whatever, but you, you know, you can't run into stance. That's, that's, that's pretty, that's day one stuff. So Rowdy, um, Rowdy met a world peace. <laughs> he, his name's Rowdy for a reason. All right. That's the good, the bad, the ugly Jake. That's the podcast. Thank you, Chris Tyler for producing and hosting the heart and hustle award guessing game. Thank you, Jake, for co-hosting with me. Thank you, Cade Marlowe. Oh, mm. for putting some pep in my step on this Friday. We will be back on Monday with another baseball barbacast. But until then, uh, we hope you all uh, enjoy the weekend. Any final words, Jake Mitz? A week from now, Jordan, you and I will be recording a podcast together in the same place. Excited about that. Oh, yeah, we sure are. Until then, have a good weekend. Bye. Sirius XM Podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. 
Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.